Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins live in Vancouver. Draft coverage at 4 tomorrow afternoon here on 630 Chad. Then at 7, we'll take you to the Eskimos and the Lions. Dave Tippett, Ken Holland, and Jim Playfair. Speaking earlier today, we've been bringing some of those highlights throughout the first hour of the show. You can also text 630-630. This individual writes in longer text here, but I'm going to read it all. How many Yessi Puliyarvis do we have to go through before we realize there is a bad smell around the Oiler organization? Let me start mentioning names. Taylor Hall, drafted high, couldn't perform in Edmonton. Nail Yakupov, consensus among scouts around the league that he was the top pick that year, came here with high expectations, left in disgrace. Puliyarvi, scouts had him drafted third, came here fourth, wants out. Lucic comes here, has a good year, turns out to be a high-priced dud. Dubnik, like Hall, comes here, goes downhill. We trade him with not much worth, and he recovers where he becomes a top-10 goalie. Talbot, one good year, loses his worth, gets traded. Reader comes here with a decent record, doesn't score all year. The list goes on. Eberle, Maroon, Schultz. Somehow the media always blames the players. Is there a bad attitude in the Oilers organization? Is it nepotism? The problem with the Oilers is not a problem with the players that come here. It is within the organization. Do we expect too much of these guys too soon? Okay, that is a very interesting text from 630-630, some of which I think is very astute observational, some of which makes me wonder if this individual has ever watched an Oilers hockey game in his or her life. For example, when this person writes, Taylor Hall drafted high, couldn't perform in Edmonton. Taylor Hall performed in Edmonton. Twice he was in the top 10 in scoring. He was really good. Uh, Devin Dubnik uh, was on the verge of becoming a really good goalie. He uh, did not play well under Dallas Aikens. That's, that's, you know, that's a bad trade. I mean, I love Matt Hendricks. He worked hard, but you'd sooner have Devin Dubnik than a fourth-line player like Hendricks. Uh, Reader, this uh, texter mentions as, uh, as well, and uh, he says somehow the media always blames the players. I'm not going to speak for what this person may have heard or read from other people in the media. I can only speak for myself. Um, you know what? To this texter, I gave Peter Shirelli an F last year when we did our mid-season report card. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's blaming the players, but I think in each individual situation, um, it's different. And if you want to specifically address Jesse Pugliarvi, as I've said several times, he was mishandled by the Oilers organization. I mean, he shouldn't have been in the NHL. Maybe, I'm sure you could have given him a few games in his first year. He shouldn't have been in the NHL. He should have been in the minors. He should have been given a clear role, a clear definition of the player that they wanted him to become. 
and instead it's been back and forth and limited ice time and never really finding a role. Having said that, I, I think, you know, once you're a third-year pro, you should have taken more strides than Pugliarvi has taken and and probably figured something else out. So, you know, and, you know, the, look, pointing out problems with the Oilers at, at this point, uh, we've been doing that for years, buddy, on, on this show and many others like it. So, yeah, they got problems. And the, the last t- line of this person's text, do we expect too much of these guys too soon? Well, that's a, been a big problem, that part of the Oilers' problems. And to tie it into why we're in Vancouver for the draft, they have not drafted well and they have not developed well, or in some cases, both. And that's why they've been chasing free agents. I mean, they, they drafted a goalie who was really good. And as this texter mentioned, they, they traded him when he started playing poorly instead of sticking with him. And then Dubnik's gone. And I don't think he's a, just a top 10 goalie in the league, like this guy said. I think he's been top five the last four or five years. So, you know, that, that deal. And so then, you don't, so then you don't have a number one goalie. So then you're chasing Ben Scrivens, Victor Faust, Cam Talbot, Miko Koskinen you bring over from Europe, you're trying to find a number one guy because you haven't been able to successfully develop and stick with someone in your own system. When the Oilers start drafting better, they're going to get better. I don't know if they're going to get better to win a cup, but I can guarantee you they're going to get better. All right, Eskimos and Lions coming up tomorrow here on 630. Chad, Morley Scott will have the play-by-play. Morley, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, Reed. How are you? I'm uh, doing well. Quite an interesting game. I don't know if you'll be able to keep an eye on this tonight. Quite an interesting game here between the Riders and the Red Blacks. They are really going back and forth. It, it is a seesaw battle. It's a lot of fun to watch. I'm, I'm watching it right now as I'm doing some work, and it's been very entertaining for sure. It's surprising it because I really expected, I thought this would be a boring game. I thought, ah, oh, there's not, not going to be much to watch here, but uh, they've kept me on the edge of my seat all evening. It is halftime. It is Ottawa 31, Saskatchewan 24. Uh, that is almost higher scoring than any game from last week. <laughs> so they, this is, it's on the verge of being the highest scoring game of the year. It's been and, pretty good. And, with, and that's with two quarterbacks. One's a backup quarterback who is getting his first start ever. And uh, the other is a quarterback who's been a backup and is getting, I believe, just his second or third start ever in Dominic Davis for for Ottawa. So it's a couple of a quarterbacks uh, piling up yards, and it's kind of surprising people. All right, uh, Eskimos ready to go. I'm going to play your interview with Mike Riley later on this hour, so I, I don't want to give away some of the content, but I do want to – can you explain where this interview was conducted and why, <laughs> Morley? <laughs> I didn't think it would happen this way, but uh, Mike Riley and I, we, uh, well, he was in Edmonton. Uh, every game he started, I did a pregame interview with him. And about his second or third year in, um, we were, uh, it was raining, and he said, well, let's go in the Kubota here, which they have Kubotas all over the field, right, during practice. They move equipment around on it and stuff like that. So uh, we went in the Kubota, and I think he had like a 400-yard game, and the Eskimos won, and he said, let's go back in the Kubota. And it became a tradition that we sat in a Kubota and did the pregame interview whenever possible. Uh, even if there wasn't a Kubota around, uh, we would arrange chairs 
so that it was like we we're sitting in a vehicle. I always got to sit in the driver's seat, which I thought was pretty nice of him. And uh, he said today, uh, let's go in the Kubota and do it. So we went in the Kubota and do it. My, my best memory of doing the interview in the Kubota is uh, 2016 when the Eskimos uh, went into Winnipeg for the first time. It's, of course, the first time there after winning the Grey Cup. And uh, we were, uh, the Eskimos uh, media session was at one end of the field where the Eskimos dressing room is, and there was no Kubotas around. But there was one, what would that be, 160 yards probably down the field by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers dressing room. He said, well, let's go sit in that Kubota. So we walked across the field. Uh, and, it, you know, that's a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of walking. It took us a while, a couple minutes. And uh, as we walked across the field, we talked about the Great Cup game there that previous November. And he said, and as we're walking right to you, he goes, that's over there. That's where Nate made the big catch. And then I remember rolling out over here, and I could hear Kenny yelling at Chris Jones to throw the challenge flag. Uh, and he, he just it was just kind of a neat conversation. And as um, I'm always amazed at golfers how they can relive their shots in the in the uh, in the clubhouse after the game. They'll sit and have a couple of drinks and a meal and talk about the the shot on 14, the shot on 18, whatever. Uh, he was like a golfer. We're walking across the field, and he's remembering all these plays from the Great Cup game. It was really cool. Uh, the only thing that would have made it better is if I had been running my tape recorder at the time and being able to, to to play that interview but yeah it was it was pretty cool so uh we sat in the Kubota today for the uh, as we got in he just said hey you don't sit in here with trevor do you and i go i haven't yet no he goes okay let's go so we sat in and i i guess his superstition continues so and we're going to get to the interview but what was his demeanor today being back brickfield at commonwealth stadium Mike Riley, man. I mean, he's very confident. He was uh, he was uh, very well spoken. He was a little bit emotional, I think, looking back on on some memories at the time, but also very business like as well, talking about um, you know the job at hand and and being a BC Lion now. And uh, I know when when you hear the interview with me, we talk about the last time he was in Edmonton as a visitor and the, and the couple of games that's happened. He's never started here as a visitor, but he's been on the sidelines and and played in preseason games. And you know, he's yeah, he was he was he was very respectful of the Eskimos, but also turned the page a little bit and talked about his BC Lions a little bit and, and what they have to do to beat the Eskimos. Very respectful, though, uh, to the Eskimos in his time here, which he's said many, many times that he has enjoyed. And, and uh, you know, again, it comes down, he had, he had no issues. He left Edmonton, but it wasn't because he didn't enjoy Edmonton. He just felt he was going to a better situation. So, uh, yeah, no, it was, it, was an interesting, it was an interesting day for him. I'm sure he's never come in that way. He said down the ramp. He always comes in on the other side where he parked his car and walked into the Eskimo dressing room. Uh, today, the bus came down the ramp, and he said it was kind of weird coming down the ramp and, and into Commonwealth Stadium that way. All right. From an Eskimo standpoint, a lot of encouraging things in their season-opening win over Montreal. I, I know they were upset that they let the lead slip away, but they won it in the end. But, I mean, man, they signed they had nine free agents on the first day of free agency. Um, but those guys haven't been that healthy. Donu Namba is an excellent linebacker. He only played the first half. Is is there any further update on him? I know he was getting an MRI a couple of days ago. Yeah, he's. Uh, we don't know what the injury is, but they put him on the six-game injury list, so it's it's a long-term okay. injury of sorts. So he's gone on the six-game injury and, and list. And, and a weird one for me is Anthony Orange. He practiced on 
day one of practice this week, and I interviewed him after practice. We talked about the game. We talked about him making the the, the game clinching uh, interception and how nice it was to you know win the game and everybody comes together and you know offense defense played complimentary football in the in the last couple of minutes. We had a pretty good conversation. Uh, the next day uh, he didn't practice. He was instead working out at the other end of the field in in the little gym that they have set up, and that was day two. And then yesterday was day three, and he was not at all on the field anywhere. And today he's on the six-game injured list. So something clearly happened in day one that uh, that injured him. So uh, it's uh, another one of the new faces onto the six-game injured list. So that's Unamba uh, along with uh, Anthony Orange. And, of course, uh, Sir Vincent Rogers is on the six-game injured list as well. A lot of those new guys, as you mentioned, have have, uh, have had injury problems. Some of them have yet to play. Uh, Deveris Daniels has come off the injured list. Receiver that the Eskimos signed from Calgary. He's on the roster, on the active roster. But just looking at the roster, it looks to me like he'll be the guy who'll be scratched tomorrow uh, from the 46 as they only go with 45 players in a game. So uh, we'll probably have to wait another week to see him. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Still, uh, Javon Santos-Knox is on the one game as well still, and we won't see him. He practiced a lot this week, uh, but uh, when push came to shove in a lot of the drills, he was with the number twos, and uh, it was uh, Vontae Diggs working out in that spot. This is going to be interesting, I mean, to see if the Eskimos' offense can can click like they did against Montreal and also to see what BC does because they only ran the ball four times against against Winnipeg. Like, John White had four carries for four yards, and that's that was the entire offense. There weren't even any quarterback sneaks or scrambles no. by Riley. They, they, they ran the ball four times. One more stat for there. He ran the ball four times for four yards, and his longest carry was six yards. So, so all the, the other on ones that. were negative. He had a couple of carries where he lost <laughs> yards or just got back to the line of scrimmage. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Trevor Harris, who is the stand-in-the-pocket quarterback who doesn't run, well, he outrushed Mike Riley, who is the running quarterback last week. Harris uh, carried the ball seven times for 12 yards and a touchdown. Well, Riley did not carry the ball at all, and he ran for, what, like 3,000 yards as an Eskimo over six years. So, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird to see those stats from the game against uh, the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers for the BC Lions. I'm guessing they'll run the ball more. They've got to run the ball more to, to set things up on, on their pass play. And, and, you know, we know how good John White can be. Uh, so they've got to get him the ball and try and produce something. So I think that's what the Eskimos have to try and do most of all is, is uh, shut down uh, the run game. And not just, uh, you know, the run game in, in Winnipeg they didn't, or against Winnipeg they didn't use, but they didn't. They, they went deep a lot, but Riley was not connecting. On the, on the 12 passes he threw for 20-plus yards, there was only three receptions, which is very un- Mike Riley-like as well. Okay. Well, hopefully the the rain holds off for Friday. I know it's uh, not great weather back in Edmonton, Morley, and this is this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be uh, emotional, and I know Eskimos fans will give Riley. I'm sure they'll have a bit of a tribute video and give him a nice cheer, and, and then he's the bad guy after that, so it's going to be a I'll fun tell you game. What, it, I'll tell you what, Reed, it was so weird watching the Lions bus pull up today. Uh, oh, there's Aaron Grimes. Oh, there's John White. Oh, there's right. Adam Conar. Oh, there's Mike Riley. It just the list just kept going on and on. Oh, there's Josh Woodman. Uh, you know, a guy. Every second guy getting off the bus is a is a former Eskimo. So uh, there's uh, with Josh Woodman being activated. He was on the uh, injured list last week. With him being activated, there'll be 13 former Eskimos in the BC Lions lineup tomorrow. All right, so draft coverage at 4, and then we'll kick it over to you at 7 for the Eskimos and Lions tomorrow on 630 Chad Morley. Thanks so much for checking in. You bet, Reed. Have a good time. Talk to you later. 
All right, that is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, you're still going to hear for a little bit more from Ken Holland, from Jason Moss, and from Mike Riley. We're rolling along from Vancouver, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. A minute and a half into the third quarter, field goal by Lewis Ward, Ottawa leading Saskatchewan 34-24. To get the uh, all the comments from Holland, Tippett, and Playfair today, Jim Playfair, the new associate coach for your Edmonton Oilers. You can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. There's a, a story there, and if you don't like the book learning... We have the audio files there as well, and uh, we'll get to a little bit more from Ken Holland as we roll along on Inside Sports. We'll, we'll play Mike Riley's interview with Morley out of the 7.30 News. Right now, Dave Campbell with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. A big win last week over the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, amazing offense with the for, uh, performance defense played pretty well. You had that, you know, a little bit of a uh, hiccups there in the fourth quarter, but you're able to find uh, a way to win, and, you know, it's never too early in the season to face adversity probably, huh? No, not at all. <laughs> and we, we talk about character in our locker room and character in our organization, and when you win like that, those are character wins, and we talk to our team a lot about it, that we'll win a lot of those games because of the, the way we do things in in this building and the way we, are, we we focus on process and not you know the end result of things and so we know we have to play everything to for 60 minutes and think positively during that 60 minutes so when it was tied with two minutes to go i don't think anybody on our sideline was panicking i think everybody felt very conf- confident that we'd be able to pull it out believing in each other and all those things and i think anytime you can do that and the end result is a positive it just makes that belief grow and I think that's what you're going to see and what you've seen already uh, from our team. Tell me what this week was like. You have a big game coming up here here tonight against the Lions. You know who's coming back. You have 13 former Eskimos led by Mike Riley. Um, You had a rain practice. It's been a little bit of everything. Emotional week. uh, Adversity even with the weather. Yeah, I mean, I I don't put a lot of stock into the emotional side of things because those are 13 guys coming back here and our guys could care less to be honest with you. We talked about it this week that we're, they're a faceless opponent as far as we're concerned. Mm-hmm. Yes, we know them, but we want the guys who signed up to play in Edmonton are here. Mm-hmm. So the guys that went other places, they're there. And so there's no emotional aspect to this other than we're, we want to be 1-0 this week. We want to be 2-0 on the season. We want to defend our turf against a Western opponent. So we could care, care less that it's Mike Riley and the rest of them coming in. Um, I say that in one hand. The other hand is, yeah, it's it's Mike's first time coming in the building. But at the end of the day, our guys honestly are more prepared and more thinking about ourselves. We're a close team. Our, our guys love to come to work every day. We've talked about a lot that this is a close-knit group that plays for one another. So when you're playing for one another, you could care less about the guys you're playing against. And I think that's what you're going to see this week. Our guys want to play well, and they're going to be emotional for the simple fact that they get to play another game with each other mm-hmm. and play in front of our fans, not against an opponent. And it's your first divisional game, and divisional games are always important. Yeah, exactly. So, but like I said, I, I think what you're going to find from this team, and what we're going to preach all year is, you should be just as excited to play this game as you are to play Ottawa five weeks from now, or somebody else ten weeks from now. Every game is important. It's the one that that week that is the most important. It's the day to day to prepare and all that that you should be thinking about, not necessarily about your emotions and how they are going to be. I, I firmly believe, and I'm one of those guys that has wears their emotion on their sleeve. Mm-hmm. So. 
I really believe that football is played with an emotion, a, a certain emotional state of mind. And if you're the type of guy that wants to be emotional and plays better emotionally, then great, get jacked up. But if you're the kind of guy that needs to be even killed, be even killed. At the end of the day, it's know yourself and play that way. Um, and then obviously support and be a great teammate for the rest. Well, the injured list is longer than anyone would like, especially yourself. But you got Don Yanamba and Anthony Orange added to the six-game injured list. So that means you're going to see a lot of players that you saw in training camp in two preseason games. Josh Johnson, Tyquan Glass are going to figure in the starting lineup. And you got, uh, I know Johnson was there last week, but at a position that he's been at uh, for most of the season in the early going at corner, you got Brian Walker who's seen some time at Sam. So what did you see out of all three of those players that gives you the confidence that you're going to be all right? Well, I'll say this. They're still, they were still in Edmonton, so obviously we think very highly of them. Obviously, they're starters. The other guys were starters for a reason. But at times, what the other guys need is an opportunity. And I think that's what you're going to see with Johnson, Taekwon, and Walker playing now mm-hmm. at those new positions, um, which, again, aren't too new to them because they, they just got done a training camp where that's where they played solely. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we feel very confident that they possess the qualities on defense. They are able to cover they play physical they run fast they look for the ball you know we wouldn't be putting them out there if we didn't expect good results so you know but at the end of the day that's who we're playing with we're excited about it and again it's going to make us a deeper team in the future Eskimos head coach Jason Moss as they get ready to take on the BC Lions tomorrow. All right, caller number two. You're going to get a couple of passes to fast track indoor karting. Fun stuff. 780-496-0. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 063. Mike Riley with Morley Scott when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Speaking of trade rumors in the National Hockey League, Milan Lucic's name has been circulated. Could he go uh, maybe even to Vancouver for Louis Erickson? You heard the, the James Neal rumor be discussed a couple of weeks ago. Well, Ken Holland, GM of the Oilers, was uh, asked about the Lucic trade rumors. And, of course, remembering Lucic has a, a no-move tra- no move clause that would have to be waived. I just touched base with uh, Milan's agent yesterday. Um, you know, you know, when there's rumors, you guys chase rumors. I, I don't blame you. That's your job. Um, so, you know... Sometimes there's there's truth to rumors. Sometimes there's not. I think you know my feeling is that as the uh, the manager of the Oilers, I'm brand new. Um, obviously, they had a tough year last year. Um, there's some great pieces there. I have to uh, work the phones, um, explore all options um, that I think um, can make us better in the short term and the long term. Um, and sometimes names get out in the in the media and you have some small conversation that doesn't really lead to anything sometimes where there's smoke there's there's fire um but when it comes to a player that's got a uh, a no move 
I don't really, you know, you know, Gustav Nyquist had a no trade. I traded him at the deadline, and as it was just about to the finish line, you know, certainly they signed off, but they were fully aware the Nyquist camp was there. I'm only going on, on experience at the trade deadline. So uh, right now I'm nowhere close to, uh, to that right now. All right. Holland seemed, I, I was there, he, he almost seemed a little uncomfortable answering that, and I don't know if that was yeah, that's because something is up or he just felt like that wasn't a path he wanted to go down and he wanted to be careful about saying anything that might suggest he's trying to trade him or would ask Lucic to, to waive his no-move clause. He just seemed to be, I mean, I know he kind of said some stuff in the end, told the story from his past, but he was being really careful and I don't think he wants to come in here guns blazing with 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 Lucic and as he said with a lot of things he's he's evaluating and, and wants to see where, where things are going to go so anyway another storyline here potentially going into the summer for the Edmonton Oilers the storyline in Edmonton tomorrow while the draft is going on will be the Eskimos taking on the guy who led them to the Grey Cup in 2015 Mike Riley back in town quarterback in the BC Lions he sat down with Morley Scott. Mike, I don't think you've worn a hat on uh, walkthrough day in Edmonton before, have you? That's right. That's right, man. I hadn't even thought about that. This is the first time for everything. Usually sitting uh, in the Kubota doing the pregame show with you, I'm wearing uh, shorts and a t-shirt and freshly done with walkthrough. Now I'm in a suit and a hat and got off a plane. It it's definitely feels a little different. What was it like walking into Commonwealth Stadium? Uh, it was strange. Um, for sure, but it was fun. You know, I knew that uh, this day was going to be coming at some point. Um, you know, but being on the bus while they back it down the down the hill, down the tunnel, um, you know, and then unloading into the visiting locker room and then uh, walking through those doors, which is not an area of the the stadium that I'm generally at, uh, was a little different. Um, but it feels good. It feels good to be here. I'm excited to play the game. Um, you know, and again, like I said, this is a, a date that was going to come at some point on the schedule. So, um, you know, glad that's happening right now. You uh, have been on the visitors' sidelines before. You haven't started here as a visitor before. What do you remember about that uh, the game last time you were a visitor here? Well, I mean, I think I I think we been in this field with me as a part of the BC Lions a couple of times, two or three times. I know we played a preseason game in here. I remember being the holder when the, the long snapper skipped it back to me and and uh, we had to chase a guy down like 80 yards and I was dead tired after that. Um, but my first experience in the stadium as a visiting player was uh, during a game where there was a massive lightning storm and they had the, they sent us in the locker rooms midway through the second quarter. We were in there for about 45 minutes and then they brought us out. We played the rest the second quarter had about a two-minute break stayed on the field for halftime and then immediately began the second half so had some interesting experiences uh outside of being an edmonton eskimo here in this stadium but um you know looking forward to a good one what was week one last week like for you uh that was it was fun to be out on the field and play with my team for the first time for a full four quarters um it was exciting because we we showed some things that i i knew that we were capable of um in terms of uh, being explosive offensively 
but it was also frustrating at times uh, because I know that we're such a new team and, and we're still trying to build um, chemistry and, and come together and, and have you know a championship caliber team and you have to have some some experiences that you learn from in order to get to that point um, you know but there was things that we were lacking in for sure that um, you know we're not that we're not capable of but we just didn't execute as well as we should have in certain areas so uh, it was good to see little pieces like when you play golf uh, and you haven't played for a while and you go out there and you hit a couple of bombs down the middle of the, of the fairway and you feel really good about it and you go yeah okay this is why I love golf and then you know you shank your shot into the bunker in front of the green and you go oh man I got to be better than that if we want to if we want to score well you know and so that's kind of what it felt like in week one but it's a process for sure and and I'm excited about it Fred Stamps, Darius Bowman, Darrell Walker, Brandon Zilstra, Duke Williams, now Brian Burnham, and uh, Duran Carter. Uh, you've had some pretty good receivers to throw the football to. Uh, what does it take to get used to new guys? Yeah, I mean, those are some great names for sure, and, and some of those guys uh, were established when I started playing with them. Some of them were, you know, quote-unquote nobodies uh, that, that built themselves a, a great reputation through their hard work. Um, but building chemistry with those guys, it, it's a process always. It's not something that just happens. You have to work at it. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and, and it, both on the field and in the film room. And it takes a guy at the wide receiver position that wants to be great and is willing to put that time and effort in. And all of those guys have those characteristics that uh, you know that I'm talking about, the people that you just mentioned. So um, I've been blessed to play with them for sure. Um, you know, I'd like to believe that I probably made their job a little easier at wide receiver. Uh, you know, because we were on the same page. Uh, but none of that happens if with without their abilities, and all of those guys have tremendous abilities. So uh, getting to play with, with Brian and Duran and Lamar and Shaq uh, here with the BC Lions, that's been an awesome experience so far because they all are in that mold. They all want to spend time in the film room. They all want to work together off the, off the field, on the field, spend a ton of time together, um, you know, and, and I do think that that's a group that has a lot of uh, great things in store for them in the future. I know one first you have with a receiver this year. It's the first time you've played with a receiver who wrote and recorded a song about you yeah that's right well at least in, any that i've heard about i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe fred's old note on say, yeah, man, you never know you know maybe there's something will come out of the woodwork with fred yeah he was definitely that type of guy um and i did see that fred was in town last week he had a little more gray in his beard than i do so good for him um you know that's uh i mean duran duran's been a lot of fun to play with so far he's uh he's a guy that i think is a bit misunderstood um but i think he'd be the first one to tell you too that uh you know some of the some of the issues that he's dealt with in the past were self-inflicted um, so he's certainly not without blame but uh, you know I only judge people on my experiences with them and uh, it's been nothing but uh, but positives with him he's a great talent a great athlete um, but he's a good guy you know he wants us to do well he wants his teammates to do well um, and he wants to have fun while he's playing so you know I, I do I do think that he's uh, approached this situation the right way and I think it'll pay off for him last one for you how different of a style especially the personnel is very different. How different of a style uh, of defense do the Eskimos play now compared to what you practice against for the last couple of years? Yeah, the personnel is certainly different. I mean, you know, the front the front D linemen are, are 
you know, mostly the same. And, and you know, I had to deal with them for six years. And, and so I know that that's a strength of the defense for sure. Uh, the back end, there are some new pieces. There are also some young guys in, in uh, you know, like Money um, that, that are starters now that, uh, you know, were playing different positions last year or maybe backups, but they're starting now. Uh, Godfrey, another one, right? Um, you know, but linebacking personnel is all new. Um, but, you know, you've got some veterans that have played in this league before. So uh, the personnel is different. But obviously, Lolly is a guy that I know. He was on our coaching staff in 14 and 15. I have a ton of respect for him. Uh, I think he's a great coach and a very a very fun guy to be around. Uh, but he's aggressive, too, you know. And this is not his first gig as a D.C. in this league. Uh, he spent time in Hamilton being the D coordinator there partway through the season. And so uh, kind of got a feel for his style. But watching, um, not necessarily the preseason, but watching the first regular season game against Montreal they're more aggressive than they have been in the past which uh, I think is bodes well for them um, you know but with every defense there's weaknesses and, and Edmonton certainly has theirs and it's our job as as the opposing team to figure out what they are and try to exploit them. Mike thanks for this as always uh, good to see you uh, enjoy this game. Yeah thank you very much I appreciate it. One of Morley Scott's best calls of all time 2015 West final Mike Riley scores on a quarterback draw and Morley says, hey, Edmonton, there's your quarterback. Well, there's your former quarterback in that interview, Riley with the BC Lions at Edmonton tomorrow. So here's a reminder of our coverage. Four o'clock, we'll sign on. Fear from Vancouver. I'll be with Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer for coverage of the NHL draft. We will continue with you until 7 on 6.30, Chad. Then kick it over to the football game. Get the entire first round of the draft starting at 6 on Global News Radio 880. All right, we're going to have some fun. I'm actually doing this. I actually lined it up because I've complained about these animals in the past. So now we're going to find... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply know more about them uh the dogs are performing at halftime tomorrow we'll talk to a trainer coming up next subscribe to the inside sports podcast available on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts this is 6 30 chat inside sports being there where do you find your podcast in between the cushions on the couch or 38 27 ottawa leading saskatchewan third quarter cfl action tonight so riley's return the big story tomorrow for the eskimos game at commonwealth stadium but also the fusion talent extreme dogs are going to be performing at halftime so a few years ago on this show i went on a, a bit of a, a rant uh, after the dogs had performed, I think in an Eskimos game or, or I saw them at a, at a carnival or something, and I said, you know, they call them the super dog. Now, th- these, these dogs tomorrow are not the president's choice super dogs, but I was referencing the super dogs when I did this rant, and I said, basically, they are not super. 
they're you know maybe slightly above average they they didn't do all the tricks properly they didn't complete the solemn courses they were dropping whatever items they were supposed to catch and i said basically said my dog could do that so I was being partially humorous, but partially serious. But then I saw the, the fusion talent extreme dogs are coming tomorrow, and I thought, okay, here's my opportunity to find out more about these dogs and uh, what they do and, and the people behind the dogs. So from fusion talent, this is the main trainer of the extreme dogs. It is Chris Cruz. Chris, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Thank you. I'm all good, <laughs> and you? I'm doing great. Well, welcome to Edmonton. Uh, I'm actually doing my show in Vancouver tonight because I'm here for the NHL draft. So I will not get to see your dogs perform tomorrow uh, at, at halftime. How many dogs are you bringing what? here? That's unacceptable. You have to see. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, many, uh, for, the, for the show, halftime show tomorrow, we're going to have four extreme dogs. There's going to be uh, Australian Cattle Dog, Australian Shepherd, and Dutch Shepherd. Okay, so wh- where do you find these dogs? Are they bred from, from puppies to be performance dogs? Or how, how do they get scouted and signed, I guess, to use a sports term? So most of the dogs are rescues or from, a, from adoption, obviously, or uh, rescue groups from all over the country. Some dogs come from breeders. But we mainly promote the dog adoption and the dog rescue. Um, these dogs are dogs that were put away, they were thrown away uh, from different situations. Um, obviously, these dogs have more energy than your average pet because most of the time people don't research the breed before getting a dog. And what happens is that they don't understand are all our all these behaviors and don't know how to channel them and don't know how to create that relationship so we come in and uh we look for dogs that have a lot of energy and they come from different situations like these and we channel that energy into something positive it's mostly like a kid some kids are more energetic than others um but we do what we do as parents is uh responsible parents is channel that energy into something positive school books sports different stuff that is not only good for the dog but for the collective not only good for the kid but for the people and uh obviously the the state or the place that we live in right okay well, that that's cool. That, that's really awesome. They're they're rescue dogs. Now, where is Fusion Talent based? Are these are these Canadian dogs? Are these American dogs? Where are you guys from? They they come from all over the country, and uh, some of them come from even Puerto Rico. But Fusion Talent is actually based here in Canada. It's actually okay. from Toronto. Okay, cool. So, Chris, what types of, uh, of tricks and performances are we going to see? At, at, I, know, I know you don't want to maybe give it away, but can you give us a sense of what we might be seeing the dogs do tomorrow? So you will see a, a basic frisbee freestyle from uh, two of the breeds, a small breed and a large breed. You'll see some toss and fetch. You'll see a throwdown, a versus throwdown. And you'll see one of the crowd's favorite, and that I won't spoil it for the crowd. The crowd has to be there to see that. It's a, it has to be. It has to do with a lot of big air and jumping over something. But I won't tell them the rest. Okay, Chris, I, I apologize. I lost you there for a bit in the middle. Is, is there any slalom stuff? Uh, sorry. What? Uh, what was that? 
the slalom where they go back and forth through the obstacles? From the weeples, uh, weeple is actually more an agility sport. We won't have this time agility out there, but we will okay. have a, a basic toss and fish competition, um, which involves obviously the crowd has to be it has to be cheering for the favorite dog and the most catches out of the both of out of both of them that will be the winner. Okay. Christy, so you, so you get these rescue dogs, which which is awesome, and you and you find dogs who are energetic and athletic. How long does it take for a dog to go from being a rescue dog and probably not having a lot of confidence and being trained or channeling his or her energy? How long does it go from getting that rest do- rescue dog into having an extreme dog who can reliably perform the tricks in front of a a large audience? How long does that transformation take? So it, it actually depends on the dog. Every dog is different. We have dogs that um, in a matter of weeks, they already are ready to perform in front of crowds. And we have dogs actually like a dog like Ray that we had him. He's 10 years up now, but it took us five years to get them in this kind of environment. So it mostly depends on the dog and the patience of the owner or dog trainer to channel this energy into something positive where the dog feels confident, where the dog feels good in that kind of environment. Where do the dogs live when they're not on the road? Like, do you have like 20 dogs in your house, in your yard, or, or where do they live? No, but so actually I have between me and my girlfriend, uh, we have, which is D, uh, we have 10 dogs. But uh, we we work with different uh, dog owners, dog trainers from all over the country, and they have their own dogs. They have been working on their own projects, their own rescues. Um, but uh, when we go back to the low season, we go back to our house in Texas. That's where we are. We actually train new tricks when we do uh, new stuff or work on current stuff. Um, because in the row, we don't get the time to train as much, and we basically reinforce the things that they know already and uh, that kind of training. All right, Chris, let me close with this. And this has been a great interview. I really appreciate that you, you filled us in on the lives of these dogs and, and how energetic and athletic they are. You're the, you're the main trainer for Fusion Talent. What's the best part of your job, Chris? Oh, my God getting to to visit all these amazing places with your dog is is a blessing not only that to meet so many people and inspire them because that's one of the things of the show um it's not only adopt and rescue but inspire people to do more with their dogs you know go out there hike with your dog play with your dog throw the ball throw a frisbee and it's not only good for your dog it's good for yourself too you know it's it's good to be outdoors it's good to have a good time and it strengthens that relationship between dog and owner and if you really pay attention it's the same thing with kids. It's all about dedicating that time, right? It doesn't matter if it's playing a video game. It doesn't matter if it's baseball club or a book club. It's just about you as a parent, you as a dog owner, dedicating that time to channel into something positive because it's going to go somewhere, either destroying bad uh, friendships, bad friends, you know, uh, and it's all about, you know, how us are being present in that moment. Chris, well said. I hope you have a great time in Edmonton and an awesome performance tomorrow at halftime with the Fusion Talent Extreme Dogs.
Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us on the show. That is Chris Cruz checking in tonight. Also today, you heard from Jason Moss, Mike Riley, Morley Scott, comments from Jim Playfair, Ken Holland, and Dave Tippett. Always get more on the Oilers and Eskimos on 630Ched.com. I will rejoin you at 4 tomorrow from Rogers Arena for our draft coverage. And, of course, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Thanks to Mitch Bunda and David Bachner here at CKNW for getting us set up for the broadcast. And Kellen Kennedy, the studio operator back in Edmonton. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.